Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, presented by Pratt Miller. Pratt Miller, transforming what's possible. Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, everyone. Today is November 13th. It is a Monday. It is a little bit after 10 o'clock. Um, big news day today. Breaking news. Yeah, there, lots of good news. Little Luke. Um, so uh, those of you following us on social media, we had a, or a GM made a press release uh, for the drivers for the endurance part um, for our team next year. Uh, those guys have been announced. And then uh, within that press release, they also said who's with the, all the driver pairings for the year. Yeah. Which was very exciting. And that was that one went out like a little bit after nine. And then about a half hour after that, uh, we released our paint scheme. And we did it in a little bit of a different way, which I kind of like. Uh, we will definitely get the cars shot in a very well-lit studio and all fancy stuff. And we can do all the things to them. Um, but we are testing down in Sebring today and tomorrow and the car and truck and trailer are all fully wrapped as they're going to look for 2024 and uh, although it is a it's a rented track uh, but there are still places where the general public can stand around the track and look in uh, without violating anything and take pictures and videos so we knew it was going to go public so uh, we wrangled everyone together on our side um, with all of uh, a couple new names on the cars a couple old, old names on the cars and got everyone um, wrangled together and let them know that we were going to uh, try and be first to show those cars before anyone else broke them. Uh, we were successful in that. A little bit stressful. Barely. Stressful morning. <laughs> yeah. Morning. Uh, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the pictures now. Um, yeah, not not being there for me is a little stressful um, because they were out in the open for two hours. <laughs> just sitting there. Just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, the the pictures look great um, that they just grabbed this morning. Car looks awesome. I, I like I like the slight adjustments to the to the delivery um it's all yellow base with some black i really like how the where the black is and and the yellow it just really really pops uh love seeing oshkosh on there love seeing some of our our new partners on there um and the trailers holy cow um trailers look sharp trailers look great i love the picture um of the two cars being unloaded um, where you can see you see the trailer. Uh, that's a super cool shot. Love it. And there is a rear three-quarter shot down low of uh, one of the cars. I think it's the four. And um, uh, you can see there is a Jake logo. Jake lives. Woohoo! On the uh, I think um, so. Uh, also uh, breaking news uh, later on today. Uh, we had uh, Ben Bodie did a walk around of the car. A couple days ago before literally about an hour before they put the cars in the trailer and drove to florida uh, that uh, quick little video will come out later this afternoon um, and he will explain a little bit of the differences from the c8r that we just tucked away in this new gt3r which you're seeing now um, although to the naked eye it, it's a rear engine corvette uh, it's a totally new car from the ground up and a part of the uh, aero package rules and regulations, we were able to get 
uh, bigger diffuser stuffed underneath the car. And as we were looking to design this car with colors and where stuff goes, uh, it just presented a really good spot on that back part of the diffu- of the diffuser to stick a, a, a Jake there. Yeah, it looks great there. And it's it's my favorite, meaning that it's a black base with uh, white, and the Jake is in white. You'll be able to see that from a mile away, as long as it doesn't get hit. Yeah, I, this uh, fr- this front hood is growing on me. I like it. Yeah, I think it looks pretty. pretty yeah, so awesome. um, that's the, that's the biggest change on the car. Like when you visually just see yeah. it is is the front hood. Yeah. So uh, again, looking at the car, uh, you'll notice that. Um, do you call it an air dam or waterfall? I've heard both. Air dam. Air dam. I've so I've heard. Well, okay. So the there is a there's a big hole in the hood <laughs> to evacuate the air coming from underneath the front of the nose of the car and to cool and all that stuff. Yeah, coming coming out of the cooling. Yeah, that creates a nice flat area that's somewhat pointed forward. It sounds weird saying that, but if you see the pictures, you'll understand that that created a really good spot to stick a logo on there and. Uh, you know, to be honest, when we were starting to look at this car, there's not a lot of places for good logo placement. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there's things that we have to have on the on each door that is dictated by the series, and it eats up the large flat areas. It really of, does. Of most any car on the grid. Yeah. So um, originally, that logo on the air dam was like uh, Oshkosh's stacked logo, which had the Oshkosh O and Oshkosh underneath it. And in flat art, it looked okay, uh, but we had uh, our, our uh, crew up in Michigan, they mocked it up, and they said, yeah, you're not gonna be able to see like 70% of it. So we went to the horizontal Oshkosh logo. Um, Oshkosh Corporation is our parent company. They, um, they acquired us in 2000, late 21 into 22. Um, they are awesome folks. They're obviously based in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and uh, go ahead and check them out. They're the parent company they own about uh, 12 other companies uh, in and around the industrial vehicle uh, vertical. Then uh, they're they're 110 years old, right around there, 105 years old, uh, old company. But they are really in this renaissance period of uh, almost reinventing themselves. Um, they're taking a lot of current and cutting edge technology and baking it into some of the products that even 10 years ago may not have had a ton of technology in them uh, and that is um, where we come into play with a lot of projects so we, we work hand in hand with projects with them and uh, one of the ones that's already on its way well down the production line and they're making vehicles is the United States Postal Service vehicle which uh, Pratt Miller had a lot to do with on the engineering side. Yeah so there was a um a postal service commercial I saw. I've seen that, yeah. And it features the the new uh, new truck, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I was yep. like, hey, I know that. <laughs> so, hey, I'm looking through the comments from um, from the picture. A lot of a lot of excited fans for sure. Yeah. Uh, Marvin's requesting uh, phone wallpaper, Brad. Oh yeah. So you I'm better, sure we'll whip that up. You, you better get on that for <laughs> Wallpaper Wednesday. Um, the so the pictures that everyone is seeing, which is they're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and X. Twitter, um, Twitter, please. Twitter, please. Uh, I put in the logo at the base, and that is our new team logo. Um, so Pratt Miller Motorsports That's is right. like the parent yeah. brand, and uh, the cars will be entered in the IMSA season underneath that team name. So it's Corvette Racing by Pratt Miller Motorsports. And again, fans may, you know, whatever. Uh, for for people within Pratt Miller, that is a huge deal because uh, up until today, 
um, Pratt and Miller, the brand, and kind of the front end of the program has never really been front and center. Uh, just the way the arrangement was, and going forward, that arrangement is changing. So we're now, in, uh, you know, considered an independent race team. Chevrolet and GM is still a great partner of ours. Uh, however, we are we are taking the lead with um, kind of the, the the direction our team goes from a branding standpoint. Other series we get into. Um, all the fun stuff. So all the front end stuff that Pratt Miller didn't really touch in the past, um, that's now front and center going forward. Yeah, now it's going to be um, a lot of fun to to race with with the new name and and, and bring on some uh, more partners and get get some more uh, attention to you know Oshkosh and all the brands and things like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Look, look, definitely looking forward to uh, Rolex twenty four. Yeah. And holy cow, that's coming so fast. Um, you know, spending spending a lot of my career in uh, NASCAR, you know, you always thought the start of the season starts really, really fast. <laughs> uh, I mean, sports car is a whole other deal. Yeah. Think about it, right? Like, Cup uh, NASCAR just wrapped up uh, the weekend before last. Um, but in sports car, we're doing our first test of the year today. Yeah. Like, holy cow. Um, there, and then, so we test, um, we have this test this week, two weeks goes by, we go down to Daytona, we test again, have Christmas, Rolex 24, boom, it's on. Yeah. It, the, the, the roar in there too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's game on, uh, mm-hmm. in sports car land. Yep. And I have a sneaky suspicion there's going to be a video posted later today f- uh, from someone on YouTube uh, who covers a lot of sports car stuff and lives in Central Florida. Uh, we actually have uh, four cars down there. There are four Corvettes down there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's it's good. Um, and if any if anyone that's that's there that is a fan uh, does a video, we may or may not post it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, what's really interesting about that, Brad, is these are chassis three, four, five, six that we built. So we're building 20 GT three cars. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two were the test cars and these are the first time that chassis, uh, three, four, five, six will be on track. This is kind of their shakedown test. Yep. The other two are the AWA cars, right? Yes. Yeah, which are, are gonna be the other two uh, cars racing in IMSA. So uh, it'll be really exciting to see how those go. Brand new car, uh, we've been testing it throughout the year, but these are the newest chassis that have been hand-built uh, up in up in New Hudson, Michigan at Pratt & Miller. So, yeah, really exciting to get those on the track and see what they can do. Yeah, and we, now thinking through this, uh, we don't need to talk about it now because I'd like to be a separate piece, but I, I would like to know from maybe you and um, Plyler about simulation. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, Chassis 3 is going on the track the first time, uh, in, in real life it's going on the track the first time, I want to know, like, all the simulation that led up to this day. Yeah. And then when the car gets built and then it's in real life and then it goes on the track. Well, maybe we should have a guest on for that. We should. I think we need to drag Plyler in here, even though he probably doesn't want to do it. Well, <laughs> yeah. Or we could get uh, one of the Corvette engineers to come on and talk, yep. and talk with us about that. Yeah. So that, that was something I, a little tidbit I learned last week when I overheard John talking to somebody else and 
it was pretty impressive the yeah. the level of simulation that goes in there. Yep. Um, okay, so last week on the podcast we had Tom Wallace, who was um, there. He's one of five Corvette uh, chief engineers uh, over the seventy year run of that car. Uh, he was number four of five, and we met him in August. It turns out he lives across the lake here in Denver, North Carolina, which is maybe twenty minutes away. So we invited him to come to the podcast. He came. It was awesome. That so, was a lot of fun. Yeah. That, yeah. that posted last week, and we kind of skipped uh, Formula One and NASCAR last week, so we're going to catch up with that today. Uh, so we're going to talk about Brazil and Phoenix, and then I have quite a list of off-track stuff that's happening, and then um, Vegas Grand Prix is this weekend. Yeah. Holy cow. Are you going to watch it? No. Do you to. know what time it starts? It's like 1 a.m. We've we, every every week you bring up that question, and every week we I say yes, I'm watching it. <laughs> 1 a.m. I'm in bed like by 9:15. Okay, this is a special I know. night. I I'll, I'll I'll deliver you a, a Starbucks <laughs> coffee at like 7 p.m. I'm gonna say I see five-hour energy in my yeah. future here. Anyway, just uh, just before we move on, you know, the t- I just want to say that the Tom. Um, interview was awesome I, I loved hearing it and what really resonated with me is like a career engineer um just hearing about his his growth starting with you know being a kid who who uh, you know built his built a drag car and you know just just was a grease monkey and, and just kind of worked his way up went to uh, gmi kettering university you know got his first jobs and just like that whole career progression was just so fun to to talk about start to end um and i think you know any young aspiring uh engineers car guys should should listen to it and and get a feel for that because you know you should know kids out there that you can you can be a chief engineer corvette Mm -hmm. right there there is a path to that it's a long road ahead but if if you love cars you love engineering um, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And, and, you know, he's a, you know, no different than any of us Gr- grew up in outside of Pittsburgh and just loved cars and followed his passion. And wow, great story. So, so incredible. He, he is a three hour interview at a minimum and there'll probably still be a lot of stuff you miss. Um, and I would like to definitely like to have him back to keep going. Um, so we are going to, um, chop up his interview and post some of the smaller um, uh, bits and bites over this week. And I think Thursday might be the next one. But, you know, he he worked with uh, Lloyd Royce, which is Mark Royce's dad. Mark Royce is the current president of G- uh, General Motors. His dad was president of General Motors, but his dad was the one kind of pulling the strings with saying what kind of cars they're going to build, what kind of engines are going to be in there for X, Y, and Z reasons. And uh, it's I think it's fascinating to hear these stories about, like, the Buick Grand National had the, the Turbo V6. Uh, it uh, That Grand National has been a beast on the drag racing circuit, um, pro and uh, amateur, and it's it's been involved in a lot of people's lives, and you get to talk to the handful of people that made that thing happen. Yeah, and there's super cool. And there's a hundred stories like that of all the other different yeah. cars that they touched. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, Brazil was in Formula 1 a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, the formation lap, Charles Leclerc crashes on the formation lap. Yes. It crashes good. Yeah. Uh, and immediately came over the radio and said, I lost the hydraulics. Um, so uh, 
is that like a pump and the hydraulics basically make everything work or is that a steering well, issue? Well, I, I don't, I'm not sure it was hydraulics, but basically what happened is both rear wheels locked up yep. um, and a spun. So it was, it was uh, either a hydraulic failure and an electronic failure or, you know, a systems control failure, um, which is super unfortunate. And that's not something you see every day. No. Yeah. Now, Carlos Seitz had a, um, a similar, well, had had a issue earlier in the week. Um, may have been related, probably is related. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, r- rough day for uh, Leclerc for sure. Just yeah. to get, and it wasn't him, right? Like the first reaction was, "Oh my God, did he spin on his formation lap?" Which we've seen. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. It was it was the car failing on him, unfortunately. So yeah, that was a bummer. But so they drag him off, and then they get lined up and they start and they went 200 yards 300 yards and alex albon and kevin magnuson they crashed there was was a third car in there they were all touching wheels this was about mid-pack they touched wheels and went off and hit walls and the drivers were fine but there was a lot of fragments and parts and pieces on the track yep so they went yellow then red yeah Uh, so the other thing a wheel flew off it was rolling down the hill. <laughs> hit the back of uh, Daniel oh, yeah. R- Ricardo's uh, car, broke his wing, and he was out too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. crappy circumstance for him. Yeah. So, the they went yellow, then red, then they got them lined up again. Um, lap eight, Lando Norris uh, ran up and was charging and challenging uh, Max, which was great to see. Yeah. So uh, let's pause on that, Lando went from six to second yep. on the on the start of that race holy cow so if you watch if you watch the start it was an, he basically uh moved to the left and got inside on like everybody it was mm-hmm. incredible um uh formula one as a whole uh i think going into next year they need these two guys to be up front i think Max obviously is this he's reached a pinnacle in racing in a very short period of time and all the stories that we've talked about with him and all the winning that he's done and Lando Norris which has a very likable personality mm-hmm. uh, yeah, McLaren seems I to agree. have their poop in a group and uh, Lando seems uh, really comfortable and eager to challenge behind the wheel so to start having these guys kind of thumb their noses at, at each other and and fight for P1 uh, is big because yeah. they have not had that in all the season. Yeah, yeah. Lando was pushing him hard. He was yeah. right up on him. He was trying to make a move. Um, you know, good for him. Yeah. And then uh, a little bit later on, lap 14, uh, Perez and Russell, they were kind of jockeying for fifth. Uh, Perez ultimately passed Russell. Uh, There's a couple of really good moves in the, in the um, DRS zone. Yep. Uh, Mercedes had an awful day. Yeah. Uh, so lap 35, Mercedes was getting passed by Ferrari. Uh, they were in the seventh and eighth position right about then. And then a few more laps went by. They're getting passed by Alpine, which rarely happens if it happens at all. Um, so, and I can't remember the quote, but uh, Toto Wolf was like, this, this weekend was terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a weekend like this in a long time. Yeah. Well, they, they yeah, they retired Russell. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so not a great weekend. Not a great weekend for Ferrari, too, Yeah, which kind of left the door open for uh, M- McLaren and Aston. Aston yeah. had a really good weekend. Did you see that uh, Lance Stroll finished fifth? I did. Yeah. 
so lap 59, they retired Russell. Lap 70, uh, Perez and Alonso for third are racing, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was. Like It was incredible. It was a shame it was only a full lap, but like if, if you can get Max and Lando and Alonso and who else that can string together a few laps of that type of racing, look out. Yeah. Like that's what out. people want to see. Yeah. And people lost their minds. Yeah. Like th- that was just the most exciting thing. That was probably the most exciting racing of the season. Really? Right. Yeah. Can you think of any better excitement? You know, it was, it was last lap. Um, no. you know, Perez, Perez made a move at the very, very end. Um, almost had him, yeah. but, you know, holy cow. Yeah. Um, not not that it's anything critical or official, but I watch I watch the race and then I watch this morning the little recap thing that they do. Yeah, and for seventy one laps, their recap video was eight minutes, and it largely showed the crash at the front, the f- lap one to three with Lando and Max, and then the last two laps, and that's yep. all they showed because that's kind of all that happened. Yes. So um, they have the components and the parts and pieces to make it happen. They just need to make more of it. <laughs> so, they do. Um, yeah. But Perez passed Alonzo, and then um, Alonzo set him up that whole next lap and held him off barely um, for third place. Um, and Alonzo got third place by 53 thousandths of a second. That's .053. And there was a lot of videos afterwards with the drivers in their um, uh, little media pools. And I thought it was really good that uh, Perez uh, came up to Alonzo, and they were hugging and high five, and they – they appreciated they raced they raced each other clean uh, they put on a great show and uh, Alonso just beat him by a nose so I thought that was really good to see that you could have clean racing without being a dick yeah no oh, that was fantastic racing yeah and then what was the gap um, from Max back to Lando I don't I don't think it was huge uh, they, uh, I don't remember the number, but um, they said if that find it quick. when Alonso and Perez were entering their last lap, uh, Max was just about coming to his f- the checkered flag. So I think it was a little bit. I mean, I'll look. <coughs> Eight seconds. Okay. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, that's, I mean, compared to what it It's been 15, it's been, 20 seconds. I mean, it's yeah. not bad. And then. Big big gap ba- gap back to Fernando and Perez. Yeah, they were thirty five seconds back. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they were off this past weekend, and they're headed to Vegas. We'll say Vegas for a little bit later on this podcast. We get a bunch to say about that. Yeah. Um, Phoenix. You, you good with Brazil? Yeah. Okay. Um, NASCAR had their championship weekend in Phoenix. Um, although uh, we're not going to cover uh, Truck and Xfinity, uh, Ford won both of those championships. And yep. They actually swept the whole weekend, which I'm not sure uh, anyone would have probably picked that, no. uh, but good for Ford. Yeah. And, um, again, we're not going to talk about the other two races, but there was a lot of uh, – the truck race was a, was a disaster uh, towards the end. You're talking about something you're, you said you wouldn't talk about. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> How did you watch it? Was it on at like 10 o'clock or something? I watched replays. Yeah, I don't watch okay. it. It's too late. It was super late. Like I was going to stay up to watch it, and yeah. then I looked at what time it was. I was like, no, sorry. <laughs> I think it was 10 p.m., right? Yeah. I think it was too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, William Byron and Martin Trucks Jr. started on the front row. Harvick was P3 for his final race. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, Stuart Haas has done a really good job this whole season of kind of um, – 
um, explaining and storytelling uh, his past 30 years. Uh, they have um, they had a lot of people participate um, both within the Ford camp and outside the Ford camp. Um, so they did a great job knocking that out of the park. Um, Budweiser was uh, uh, first and foremost throughout most of that. Uh, they they had a lot of history or historical pictures from uh, his older paint schemes, uh, his old boss with Richard Childress, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Uh, so they did a really good job. Uh, he uh, he got a standing ovation in the driver's meeting. He got recognized a bunch of different places. And then I didn't know this till recently, but when they were on the warm-up lap um, and then the lap where they come down pit road, his kids got on the radio and said, hey, have a good race, Dad. Oh. So he's just crying in the helmet. Oh. So that was, that was good. Um, uh, William Byron wins stage one. Uh, Larson was up at the up near the front, but didn't wasn't really able to hold a position for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and then Chastain, I don't know where he qualified, but he came up to the front, and kind of stayed there for the majority of the day. Yep. Uh, Harvick took the lead uh, lap. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, William Byron wins stage one. Uh, Harvick takes the lead on lap 93 of 312. Uh, we don't really see Ryan Blaney until about lap 98, uh, and he's now kind of mixing it up towards the front. Lap 107, the 20 blows a brake rotor uh, going into three. Yeah, that was super unfortunate. Uh, hit the wall Ugh. not too hard because he was already kind of out there. Uh, what do you suspect caused the rotor to heat up? Um, well, there's been some rotor failures this year. Mm-hmm. Um, th- it's been kind of a lurking issue with with the ne- this current generation next gen car yeah um yeah so it's, it's not the first time it's it's there was one race where i think there was quite a few of them then it kind of quieted out but then you, you you have them popping up every once in a while and so. are crew chiefs walking a fine line of tape and maybe taping it off too much yeah they could be i mean there's a fine line between you know the the temperatures you want for max performance of the brake and you know uh being too hot that it's it's hard on hard on the rotors um yeah that's a tough one um yeah yeah it's so, super unfortunate. Yeah, he was out early, lap 107. Well, not super early. Um, and then uh, Chris Busher wins stage two. Um, the one was up front. Um, uh, 12 takes the lead with um, uh, uh, 12 takes the lead over the four with 100 to go. And uh, 12 leads, 52 to go, um, 51 to go. One leads, they're kind of all mixing it up. Um, I thought at this point, uh, it was a good show and um, nothing egregious. Uh, they were they were really racing each other. What did you the, think? The one and the 12? Yeah, uh, just basically the last 30, 40 laps. Yeah, um, I do. I do. I think, you know, the, the 12 was challenging the one for a while, right? Um, that that was pretty, pretty interesting yep. and got – got frustrated that that he couldn't couldn't get by um and then well he was kind of battling him and and wearing his car out larson was sneaking up on him um so so i thought that whole thing was was pretty interesting i do think 
Ross raced pretty respectfully in that in that scenario. He yeah. did he did have a better car, so I don't think Ross needed to pull pull aside and let him drive away yeah. just because he's the championship leader. So I, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was reasonably interesting. Um, you know, it was clear that the twelve similar to Martinsville had the best car yeah. um, out of the championship teams. Yeah. Um, but what was kind of mixing it up is the Hendrick guys were crushing it on pit road. Yeah. Um, they had better stops all day long. Yeah. Um, and, and they would reshuffle things, um, on whenever there's a pit stop and they would gain positions and then the 12 would have to kind of battle back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it would have been nice if, um, you know, the 24 and, and the, f- uh, the five, Cars were a little closer to the 12, so it was a little racier. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, 12 was definitely the, the championship car to beat. Yeah. There was two separate incidents with the 12 and the 5, unrelated, and they were pretty much by themselves. But they, um, I think it was both had to do with the transition, you know, diving down to the apron, mm-hmm. and the cars got a little sideways, and they both got caught, like meaning the drivers caught the cars without crashing. And uh, the uh, the crew chief, I don't know his name, on the 24 was obviously watching this, and he keyed in and told Byron, he's like, the 12 is melting down, because at that point he was losing a few spots and lose, lost his momentum. So they were trying to coach him up, on uh, Byron, and get him going like, hey, he's he's not going to hold it. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> so that was good. when the 12 was racing the one pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and, and was getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, borderline taking too many risks, <laughs> and and the crew chief of the twelve was kind of trying to settle him down a bit. Yeah, and at that point, um, the twenty four and the five were just making massive inroads into his gap mm-hmm. um, because he was racing, and you know, needle at the car tires cool down and blah 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 so yeah no that was that was cool there was a restart with 31 to go it was the five and the one uh 29 to go the 12 was fourth uh 21 to go the five and the 12 um uh, the five had a big save uh that was that was the transition piece um that was really cool to see uh 20 to go the 12 gets in the lead and pretty much takes it from there um, the one wins, and then of your championship four, uh, Blaney wins a championship. Uh, Larson P two, Byron P three, and Christopher Bell P four. That's that's their final championship um, uh, places. Uh, first championship for Ryan Blaney. Do you think Blaney is going to be a multiple time champion in, in his career, or do you think it it's just a onesie twosie? Do you do you think he has a chance to win three, four, five of them? Um. Well, that's an interesting one. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Blaney in my like you know top five driver mm-hmm. category, um, but you know he just did win a championship. Um, how many race wins did he have this year? Do you know? One. Do you remember? I think one. I'm not sure. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a lot, right? It was not a lot. No. Um, definitely the class of the field at Martinsville. Yeah. Definitely best car uh, of the championship four at uh, Phoenix. Um, but other than that, kind of a top 10-ish guy all year. And I think um, even Kyle Larson said uh, maybe the media leading up that week of Phoenix, most everyone said Blaney was the one to beat because he seemed to be peaking right at the right time. Right, yeah. And that that is also a fascinating thing to watch is – 
being around these teams, they don't know who's going to win for sure, but mm -hmm. they have a pretty good goddamn idea. And it is uh, – sometimes it's frightening. They know they can kind of – just because they're in it, they know who's rolling. They know what it takes. They they can see and smell when someone gets that right momentum. Yep. And for them, it's very easy to pick out kind of who's going to be the one to beat. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, definitely, you know, talking about it a lot um, the week prior leading into it, you had uh, – he had the momentum coming off of uh, Martinsville. Mm -hmm. um, Joey Logano the year before was clearly the fastest car at Phoenix, so Penske knows what they're doing at Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um, so you put those two together, you know, it was a good, it was a good high likelihood that he would do well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I think, uh, you know, the short track package has had its problems. I was a little nervous going into this race. I think it, I think it produced a, a, a decent entertaining race. Mm -hmm. My only negative would be, um, that's the championship race. And I think it, it could have been more. Uh, from an entertainment value yeah i think that's wasn't that, bad yeah that would be a really good like oh it's a good wasn't race bad. weekend but i think for the championship i i would have liked to have seen a little bit more more yeah <laughs> well yeah it wasn't terrible yep. I, again i think the 12 just had a, uh, an advantage of his car above the competitors that it, it didn't make it that mm -hmm. that exciting and um so this was the first time too they were saying that the championship winner didn't win the race right yeah, first time in 10 years or something like that or since they've been doing it. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and, and I thought Ross won that race pretty respect, respectfully, you know. Um, he was faster mm -hmm. um, and, you know, yeah, battled with, with Blaney for a bit, but then, you know, drove away and, yep. and legit won it. So um, I, I don't think he needed to pull over or anything, so – yeah, so good for him and, and getting a, a win to f finish the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, you know, so both guys did a burnout. Blaine did a burnout at the end, and Ross did a burnout at the end. And uh, Ross kind of took it on the chin a little bit on social media, saying, this is not your moment. But I think that's totally reasonable. No, yeah, he won the race. I mean, it's yep. a race is a race. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of the NASCAR season? Uh, man, I don't know. I wasn't ready. I'm not ready for that question. <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't sat back and thought about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I would classify as okay. I mean, there's, uh, I, yeah. So, um, I thought the playoffs were not as exciting as they have been for mm -hmm. whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, there's nothing really to me that, I mean, I knew I was going to ask you this question, and yeah. still nothing is really sticking out in my mind. Yeah. Just being like, holy shit, that was a moment. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's, you know, good things here and there. Um. Attention Corvette racing fans and lovers of all things motorsport, buckle up for the ride of a lifetime. Introducing the Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective, a groundbreaking fan experience that puts you in the heart of the action like never before. Imagine being so immersed into the team the lines of fan and team member blur, and your body pulses with adrenaline pumping excitement as the new Corvette racing by Pratt Miller Motorsports team blazes across the racetrack. Now you can turn that feeling into a reality. Join us on a journey where the rubber meets the road in an all-access pass to the world of professional auto racing with the Pratt Miller Motorsports Collective. You don't just watch the race, you live it. Choose from three electrifying packages, each offering an array of exclusive merchandise that will make you the envy of fans everywhere. 
Don your team colors with pride and showcase your passion for racing with style. But why stop at gear? Get behind the scenes with live streams during every heart-stopping race event and witness strategy unfold as if you're part of the pit crew yourself. And for those who want to indulge in the ultimate racing fantasy, seize the chance to be our VIP guest. Stand alongside legends. Feel the roar of the engines from the best seats in the house, the VIP suite, where you're not just a spectator, but a part of our racing family. The green flag is waving, beckoning you to the front lines of Corvette racing glory. The Proud Miller Motorsports Collective isn't just a program. It's your entry to a world where speed is king, and every race is an epic tale waiting to be told with you in the center. Race over to www.prattmillermotorsportscollective.com and shift your love of racing into high gear. Don't just dream about racing, live it. The Proud Miller Motorsports Collective. Unprecedented access, unforgettable experiences, unmatched adrenaline. Visit now. The race for the ultimate fan experience has begun. So, there, there's one off the track comment, and then I'll kind of tie it into what that question was. So, Bubba Wallace, Columbia Sportswear, and Star Wars did a, a collaboration leading into Miami. Uh, it was uh, Columbia has had a collaboration with Star Wars for many years, and they decided to use the racing platform to help communicate that platform. And they did a video that uh, included Mark Hamill. Uh, Luke Skywalker for you young kids that don't know that um, and they had Bubba Wallace they had the 23 car which is painted up like an X-Wing fighter Bubba was wearing a fire suit that looked like an X-Wing fighter uniform and they did a, a quick video and maybe 90 seconds that it looks like they shot in Mark Hamill's driveway <laughs> um, somewhere out in California and uh, it was, that was a pretty big deal because whenever you have a sponsor that's paying money to Star Wars, uh -huh. that brand, that cannot be cheap. And then for them to bring in their other brand that they're paying money towards with 2311, I thought that was really good. So it brings me to this little nugget. Um, so the final race in Phoenix uh, uh, got 2.9 million, view, uh, average 2.9 million viewers, which is down 9.1% from last year. Yeah. So that's, that's a big number to be down. Um, the uh, where did I put it here? The Columbia video on X alone, as of this morning, had two point three million views. Wow! <laughs> so I will say that views on social media and views on television are not apples and oranges. Um, a viewer on television is counted after six non-consecutive minutes of watching a program, so that counts as a view. On social media, it's seconds. It's I think it's six or eight seconds, and, you, and that's counted as a view. Um, and you know, watching the the statistics on videos on the back end of that even we post, it's very other than music. People that just you know hit a video play and the music goes. Yep. Um, if you post a two minute video, a ten minute video, the front half, front quarter, front eighth of the video has a huge attention grabber. Yep. And then it tails off after that. Right. So that's. That's why most successful YouTube videos are 10 minutes long. And if, if you can watch, if you can hook in people to watch your video and get them to at least six and a half, seven minutes, you're going to start getting a lot of traffic because that shows the algorithm that people are dialed into your stuff. Mm -hmm. If they watch and bail after a minute, you're not going to be that successful. But I bring that up because, which is why I get on my social media horse, is that you can, you can get more viewers than will watch the race. And, um, you know, IMSA, they get 
three, four, five million people to watch the whole season on television. Um, the uh, was it Michelin or Mobile One? Michelin. They did a, a um, episodic series on the GTP class this year. That thing has fifteen million views. Yeah. So um, that's why I think uh, content is so important because being on TV is great, but you cannot rely on that and you cannot control that. Yeah. So um, you know, creating these other avenues for people to consume your stuff uh, is the way to go. So I thought that was that was good. Um, so the the final race was down nine point one percent. NASCAR as a whole was down from two thousand twenty two five percent. Okay. So not not the end of the world, but not not great. Yeah, I was I was gonna want to check up on all those. Do you have any um, updates on Formula One viewership? I do not. I have not looked at that specifically. Yeah, that might be fun to kind of see where they're now. Now that the season's winding down, where that's gonna end up. Uh, and frankly, um, Vegas will be very interesting uh, numbers, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of hype around it, mm-hmm. but it's at 1 a.m., right? Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I, think, I think that the, the viewership, my guess, in, in America is going to be roughly about the same. It's going to be a 0.9 to 1.1, if I had to guess, here in America. But... You know, again, people forget, like even I saw this morning, people are complaining that it's on at 1 o'clock, and, you know, I, I was in that category too. <laughs> but people have to remember this is a global sport. Oh, wait. I have an idea for where we're going to watch the F1 race. Where are you going to watch it? No, I'm, I'm, we'll talk about it after. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, so, okay, my off-the-track stuff, uh, I have a bit of it here. Uh, and it's kind of all over the place, so just bear with me. Um, SMI and uh, Nashville Fairgrounds are continuing to negotiate a long-term partnership. The state owns property, and SMI is willing to put money into it and keep it going and bring a cup race uh, to the fairgrounds part, uh, which would be a short track. Uh, they they um, That was on my list, too, by the way. Yeah, Nashville has, is putting up with a section of residents that are complaining that they don't want anything there. Yep. Last time I checked, I think the fairgrounds was there first. So th- this is not the first time this has happened with houses being built next to a racetrack. Yeah. And people freaking out. It happened here at the drag strip. Yep. Um, I don't have any sympathy for the houses because it was there first. The, right. the racetracks were there first. So what do you think they were going to do? Uh, so that's going on. Um, so the NASCAR, uh, charter deal. Oh, you got some news. Uh, I mean, nothing new, but, uh, so the team charter deal still not resolved. Um, it's just still not uh, resolved. Uh, I think, I think the longer it goes unresolved, it's just going to be bad. Like deals that take a while to get to the end are usually not awesome deals. Because great deals, it's like, oh, yeah, you want to do this? You want to do this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go, and it's done. Right. This, to me, there's – is there a lot of moving parts? Mm, not really. Uh, and for them not to have some sort of clarity on what the final outcome is going to be is – if I was a team owner, I'd be a little nervous. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, so so the milestone dates for this, right, is the current charter expires when? Uh, the current charter expires, I believe, around the same time the TV charter do, or TV deal. Does. So end of twenty four. Yeah, and within this, it said unlikely to finalize new charter agreement until after new TV deal is reached, which, ugh. Um, so. So we're a year out on a new TV deal and, yeah. a, and a year out on the charter. Yeah. 
before they both expire. Yep. And then IndyCar is at the same. Does it does IndyCar's up for new TV? Is that at the same time frame? I kind of think they're the same that time is, frame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. Okay. No. Uh, Move on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, the, 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 the paddock, the Formula One paddock, that giant building, uh, it's going to be called the Grand Prix Plaza, uh, which was a vacant lot that Formula One bought, and they built. Um, it's, a, it's a paddock up a, or down below its garages, and then it's like all the suites and whatnot. And then once the race is done, uh, I believe the top floor are going to be the U.S. offices for Formula One. So people will be working out of that year-round, and then it gets blocked off when the race comes to town oh that's fine i didn't that know was they a, were doing that that was a nine figure deal that they said nine figure cost to build that thing so it's so how, how have you been watching the f1 build up at um in vegas have you just been kind of searching the general news and looking for kind of updates or what yeah so on twitter and youtube uh so twitter uh there's just articles that are being written both from local news outlets as well as like ap and then there's a handful of YouTubers that either live in Las Vegas or there's one guy, uh, he's British, and he has visited the track about three times between a couple months ago and today leading up to, because he's kind of been documenting how everything is going. Um, I, think, I think the race will happen. I think it'll look great on television. I think I've said this before. I think getting there is is amazingly painful to get there yeah uh, so so there's a forbes article on it that i'm looking at right now uh-huh. and uh chris horner quote in this is vegas is going to be the biggest sporting event on the planet this year i mean it's going to be insane this year i would agree yeah yeah like i don't think it's going to be the the like the cat's ass forever yep so prices are going down, though, I've heard. Yeah. Right? Rooms are going down. Prices are going down. It's getting a little bit more affordable to get in. Um, but the amount of disruption and the traffic and um, the extra time it takes for the people that work on those hotels, you know, I've, I've heard up to additional three hours a day that they have to travel uh, getting into uh, to go work at the casinos. Um, they built a, a temporary bridge for cars to get into the center of the racetrack um, there is uh, 20 feet of or there's trussing 20 feet high uh, that hold all the lights mm-hmm. that go all the way around the track which is 3.8 miles jesus um it, it it's just it's unbelievable what yeah. they're doing so this is also saying that toto wolf um and mercedes are spending 15 million on their hospitality unit <laughs> For La, for Las Vegas, so I don't. Okay, if you're the mayor of Las Vegas and expected to hold nearly a thousand people, okay, the first year is a throwaway. The first year is going to be painful no matter what happens. Yeah. Uh, years two through ten, uh, when you think you're going to get a little bit, you know, better and more efficient in setting it up, that's what is it, three or four months up and three months down. Yeah. That's almost half the year of complete disruption in your city. Yeah. And that's not the primary income for Las Vegas. Right. I just don't know if that was really well thought out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if people get subsidized for that or what, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're, say you own a quickie mart that's, you know, being disrupted by all this and yeah. you basically go out of business yeah, because people can't get to your quickie mart, then like, are you going to be compensated at all? 
by the city for that or, yeah. or what? So. The uh, the main, I don't know if it, they call it the main grandstands, but there is a large grandstand that is, I think technically is the backstretch, which goes in front of the Bellagio. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put, they drain the lake, they put cement footers in the lake and then fill the lake back up. So the grandstands actually are mounted in the lake. Jesus. And then there was really pretty trees out front. They cut <laughs> oh all God. the trees down. Like this is not like um that's insane long beach oh grand God. prix for those of you who have been they it's a mess but they don't they don't disrupt much they don't go in and remove shit yeah they yeah. kind of they it, they know they've been doing it forever they know where stuff gets placed they go in they go out and the way long beach is set up that you can cause no disruption because you can block off a couple streets and you're on your own it's almost like a little island but it's still connected and um uh the the Mirage fountain is turned off and they have grandstands kind of bleeding into that fountain. Yeah. The Bellagio stuff. Um, and then I, uh, I found a video, although it was simulated, but, um, I don't even know what game platform it was, but someone did a lap around the track. And so not only is the race starting at one Eastern time, not only is the weather supposed to be colder than usual, there's a little bit of chance of rain, which would be like, uh, uh, unbelievably like, gut punch yeah but someone commented and it was it's fair like wide open throttle on that track is a lot and so people are wondering how the engines are going to survive uh, running at that rpm because like, i think they're limited at fifteen thousand, and that backstretch which i think that's what they're calling the backstretch down las vegas boulevard you're wide open yeah it's super long i'm looking at it now wow. um the sphere uh, i believe uh, starting what is today Monday so I think starting Thursday to Sunday uh, Formula One has possession of the sp- of the sphere so they can put whatever they want up there that was part of their deal mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what is on that during race time since all be you know dark and black outside yeah it'll show really good um, they're they're gonna get their pictures they're gonna get their video of how cool it looks but I, th- I think it's it's coming at a cost that no one really is super happy with, right especially if you're a local yeah yeah i can't wait i'm gonna keep an eye on all this stuff all week and yeah. definitely be up at 1 a.m to watch this thing <laughs> sunday morning yeah sunday morning right not saturday night yeah at that so point. yeah sunday morning 1 a.m yeah uh nascar launched uh in phoenix an edition of roblox uh do your kids play roblox yes my son does yeah yeah so uh, they also got the likeness of dale jr and sundrop included in that deal uh, i do not play roblox i don't know anyone that does but that doesn't mean anything i have no idea <laughs> how to play it but i think that's the right thing for nascar to do right they need to they need to have multiple strategies of going out and finding new fans so i think that's i don't know what it is but i think it's great yeah yeah um uh, Fox Sports was quoted as saying that they are uh, in the final stages, nearing the final status of their TV deal um, to extend uh, the NASCAR contract. Uh, they said NASCAR exceeds expectations from an ROI standpoint. No oh, good. So uh, Fox has the f- first 18 races of the season, and they've had that for quite a while. Okay. They pay, if I remember, 450 or $480 million for the rights uh, for that um, uh, set of races. Um, well, yeah, like you talked about last time, they do it right. They get in and out before um, uh, F one or sorry uh, NFL, and and then yeah. um, you know it gets handed over, and they can focus on football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For what you give up, um, you know, following championships and getting down to the wire, 
uh, you get back by audience. Yeah. I think that's the give get. Yep. Uh, random story, a local paper, paper in Winston-Salem did a piece on Richard Childress, said he's worth roughly $250 million, and they, they use the term from a laundry list of businesses um, that he's in uh, outside of racing, also inside of racing and manufacturing. He does some specialty manufacturing, so I thought that. The only reason I, I mentioned that is, you know, he's one of the anchor teams in the sport that's been around forever. He, mm-hmm. owns, he still owns the rights to the three. Um, he's been doing it forever. 250 million bucks is a lot of money for me and you, but in the grand scheme of things, like, again, I think this is why the motorsports business model just needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the advanced manufacturing thing, um, a lot of, a lot of the big cup teams are doing that now. Um, so during, you know, the gen six days, um, all these cars were built, uh, by the shops, all the teams had massive machine shops to build the components, mm-hmm. um, spindles, uprights. I mean, you name it, they would they would make it all, right? Um, then the Gen 7 car came, um, and you would be purchasing a lot of stuff. So teams all had these massive, main, Inf- very uh, advanced manufacturing capabilities. Yep. Um and, and found that there was a big market for this stuff, um, a lot in defense and things like that. So um, for sure, Hendrick, uh, for sure, uh, Childress, they're both that b- pretty big into uh, manufacturing stuff in the mm-hmm. defense space now with the capabilities that they developed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know all of it, but I remember um, I, I was in a conversation with Austin Dillon's dad. I forget his name. Uh, they were they were looking at one of the machine shops I was standing in at the time, and they were making um, turrets for tanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so just, Mike. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, leading into NASCAR Championship weekend, uh, they had uh, the Steves um, a sit down and kind of give a state of the sport. Uh, Steve O'Donnell, uh, and so Steve O'Donnell is the head of competition, VP competition. I think that's his title. And then Steve Phelps is the, is he president or CEO? I think it's president, president. of NASCAR. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they sat down and, and took questions from the audience. Um, Steve O'Donnell said that he's heading to Japan next week, which would be this week with a group of NASCAR executives to study hydrogen racing and, and talk to prospective OEMs as the series studies future powertrain options, including electric, we want to kind of test each and every form. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you gotta, you gotta keep up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta, you gotta know what's out there. You gotta know what's potentially on the horizon, the pros and cons of the different ones, if they fit, how they fit. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, propulsion is changing. Um, depends where you are in the world. There's, there's different amounts of momentum behind different things. Um, but, but people definitely are, are expanding a lot more than they ever have. Um, EVs interesting, you know, EV seemed to be like it was a front runner for a long time and it was going to take over the world. Um, seems like people are hesitating a little bit, you know, cause there's definitely some, some challenges, limitations with it. And, and EV cars are not selling. Yeah. Um, so, so what does that mean? How do you, how do you react? Hydrogen is pretty interesting um, alternative. So, yeah, all that stuff, you know, always need to just have their, have their toe in the water on all of them and, yep. and kind of see how the market 
evolves and tests the market and yeah that's a, that's a whole that's a big thing for sure yeah cuz I, I think for for a company an organization like NASCAR um, cuz they don't they they have stock in the game but they don't control any of that so mm-hmm. for them it's a timing standpoint they need to be able to create rules that hit the right time for when this stuff kind of blossoms on the production car side and i would agree i went down the rabbit hole a couple of days ago of uh, people that own electric vehicles and what it takes to charge, how much energy it takes. Uh, it's difficult if you do not have a Tesla, like where you go to get power other than your house. So um, I think the technology of, an, of a full EV car will continue to get better quickly, but I think it's the infrastructure that's really not where it needs to be. Yeah, you're right. And yep. I think that's that's a lot of people that uh, are on the cusp of like, oh, you know, do I spend 50 grand on an internal combustion engine or do I just bite yeah. the bullet and go electric? I think they're not buying electric, and I think the sales are showing. Well, I think in in most of North America, yes, that is true, right? Yeah. But there are there are pockets uh, now. Um, you know, West Coast for sure are really big on um, you know alternative uh, yeah. power propulsion yeah. um, with hydrogen and electric, and and are getting organized to have much better infrastructure to support those things yeah um but yeah you you go away from kind of those pockets and yeah i mean it's there's still gas stations everywhere and nothing else the toyota ceo i still am i am a believer in what he's saying and I, i think he'll end up being historically correct where you know uh, full EV is the future yes hydrogen are they going to be the future probably you know after electric but not now I think the the piece now that needs to happen is a hybrid where you have uh, an electric engine that helps mm-hmm. and you still have an internal combustion engine maybe smaller displacement with some sort of power adder or like the you know the, not shameless plug but the Corvette the E-Ray yep. it still has its same power plant but it has two electric motors pulling the car Yep. Um, and I think I think a hybrid system like that in a cup car would would be really really good. And I know NASCAR fans when they when they hear the word hybrid they freak out, but you can now attain a thousand system horsepower, which is very marketable. Mm-hmm. The car still makes noise, and d- under caution or a red flag or pit stops when you go down pit road, you're full electric. Yep. And there's a little break in the noise, and it's. You're full electric. So I think that checks all the boxes, and I think that is some a, a technology that can happen today. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's out there. Yep. I mean, I drive a hybrid. It's a 2012. Yeah. It works great. Yeah. And right? I think what we've it's seen— not, It's not a new technology. It's a, an existing technology that, that, yeah. that works. And I think what we've seen on the IMSA side, on the GTP class, that roughly what I explained is kind of what I think— yeah, cup should go to. Yeah, I think that that ended up working out. I think better than I think a lot, a yeah. lot expected, right? Because you still have these great sounding cars, but they also have a, a piece of technology in them that that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Yep. There was an article by AP that came out: NASCAR defends no drama finale, vows to promote young stars. Um, NASCAR on Friday, this was before the, the race, NASCAR on Friday dismissed the sentiment that this weekend's championship finale lacks pizzazz and star power of a major event. Uh, the final four, they name them off, is the youngest since the winner-take-all format began in 2014, and Larson is the only previous Cup Series champion among the contenders. Larson and Bell are longtime dirt track rivals but have settled any simmering disputes. Byron and Blaney have a personal connection because Byron is dating Blaney's younger sister. 
The drivers have acknowledged Sunday's showdown at Phoenix lacks the hype of years past, but NASCAR pushed back as the weekend arrived. <laughs> so that was I, all of that is true. Um, you know, does it lack pizzazz? Yeah, it's like you know Kevin Harvick retiring. Um, he was the kind of the last of the old crew that's gone. Yeah, and you you need time to build up these new stars, and. Um, I think, you know, I've said it before, Kyle Larson is a generational talent. I think Christopher Bell, hugely talented. Ryan Blaney, he, he has a you know a name recognition going into it. William Byron, you know, he shows he, he can be there. All these guys are super young. Like yeah. They just, they've been there for four minutes, you know. So it takes a while to get the next group up and, and familiar with people. You're right. So... Uh, I wouldn't, you know, they were, this was slanted a little bit as a, as a, as a rib, as a rub on them. I don't, you know, it's true, but I just, you got to start over again, mm -hmm. you know, so it just, it just takes time. Um, the CW, uh, so the CW, uh, parents company views the NASCAR Xfinity series deal starting in 2025 is the quote unquote crown jewel of the CW's growing sports portfolio. It will be our lead horse for the foreseeable future. And that was said by the CEO of the, of the CW. Oh, okay. Um, I put that in there because uh, there's another racing series that's based out of Indianapolis. And I think that the CW should take a hard look at that. And um, the as a whole in the industry, the CW has been looking, they've been open uh, obviously looking to buy live sports yeah and so they're looking to be a major player and i think uh buying the nas the rights to the nascar and xfinity is a step in the right direction i think buying uh, indycar rights would be another big deal uh, and i think they can get it for more than what it is now which would help all of us but not break the bank yeah so i, I think that could be another one i wonder if cw would be interested in um advancing the broadcast in what way? In all the good ways that the, oh, it needs the, to be. Like all the shoulder programming and. Well, no, I'm thinking you know b better analytics. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know th th things like that. Something something you can yeah. know what the hell's going on <laughs> with. Uh, NASCAR will test its its electric race car in December, this time at Martinsville Speedway, and it could make its public debut to fans as early as January 2024. So there was a picture that leaked from the um, R&D Center in Concord of a, I want to call it a subcompact. It was fiberglass or a composite body, no stickers. There was mm -hmm. no badging on it. it. It looked like a Honda Civic stretched out and gained 30 pounds-ish. Hmm. Um, uh, and Steve Phelps has mentioned previously that they're not looking to race it now for a points race you know to make it their main car but it could be an exhibition like for 30 laps you know yeah. leading up to a cup race um, so january 2024 you know it races in january 2024 no i don't <laughs> coliseum oh yeah right. non-event points race i wonder if they're gonna do a demo at the coliseum yeah well, that, I mean, if there's going to be a crowd that's going to wrap its arms around that type of racing, it's going to be the Coliseum. Yep. I mean, not all of them, but yep. probably most of them. Maybe a demonstration there or something. Yep. That'd be cool. But, yeah, that, that there's a car that exists uh, 10 miles from here. Cool. Um, uh, Phoenix Raceway has uh, – they had a Rocket League. They had uh, a, tournament, a Rocket League tournament going on in one of its garages today, which was Friday, 
uh, last week as NASCAR continues ingraining gaming into its events. Again, I don't do any gaming. Uh, I think it's lame, but it doesn't matter what I think. That's what they need to be doing. Yeah. Because, again, that's how you find uh, new, younger fans. Agreed. Uh, Walmart remains invested in NASCAR in a couple different ways, setting up a store at the Phoenix Raceway in the campground area for a second straight year, plus its sponsorship of Bubba Wallace and selling NASCAR merchandise in its regular locations. Uh, they made a, uh, a point during the broadcast several times. They had a blimp, and they were looking with the track in the foreground and all of the campsites in the back. They said they had 10,000 camping spots were all sold out. Yeah, that did look insane, how many people were out there camping. I, th- I agree. Yeah, I think that racetrack has has the perfect ratio because uh, I, I think it seats no more than 40, I want to say 35,000, 32,000. Mm-hmm. So it's a very reasonable amount of people. Uh, you can sell it out without a ton of effort. I mean, it takes effort, but not a ton of effort. And it's, like you're try- it's not like you're trying to sell 100,000 seats. And on TV, it looks full. Yeah. And the blimp, it looks full. Like, it looks full. Um, so uh, I saw a couple pictures from this Walmart thing. They had a mini temporary Walmart set up. That's awesome. Um, for all the campers. That was good. I wish Walmart would actually get behind some of the teams. If I worked for Walmart, I would probably do the same thing and just kind of sponsor a property mm-hmm. and kind of go in there and probably spend a whole lot less money. But they, I think they have enough <laughs> yeah, they do. money in the, in the section of their couch to support some teams. Yeah, there. definitely. Uh, viewership for the 2023 NASCAR Cup season is down 5%, uh, so I mentioned that earlier. Yep. Uh, uh, they are averaging, so that's the, the TV rating is down 5%, the average of 2.866 million viewers per event versus 3.031 last year. Uh, so Steve Phelps said, if you consider back in March, we were down 15%, 1.5. Now we're down uh, mid-single digits. We're happy with where that is. So I think he mentioned there was like three or four rainouts from this year, which has a hugely negative effect because usually t- people turn off the race and don't don't see if it's coming back on. They don't watch the following day. It's just a lost opportunity. Yeah, it's over. Rains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bush Beer says it's permanently putting Kevin Harvick's likeness on one of its finishing tanks uh, at its Anheuser-Busch Brewery in St. Louis. Bush says that is a nod to him and his nickname, the closer, because the because the tank is part of the final step of the brewing process. I thought that was cool. Yeah, super cool. Uh, Belvedere, Belvedere Vodka has signed on with the Formula One uh, race in Las Vegas as the official vodka and will release a limited edition bottle with a suggested retail price of $90. Um, I would imagine, I don't know Formula One deals like that. I would imagine that's trade plus cash, but basically Belvedere Vodka has to produce, has to provide vodka for all the sweets, which I can't imagine how much money that has got to be a shitload of vodka. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah. Uh, IndyCar is not yet confirming that it is moving to terminate its deal with, uh, motorsports games. But it says it is disappointed that the developer has halted production on its officially licensed video game. Uh, that's a few days old. I think that's officially dead. Um, again, I don't play video games, but I know that's a huge segment of people that are current IndyCar fans and or getting people exposed to the real product uh, so they can come to a race and watch yeah. it live. So they lost the entire 23 season, right? There was no I, I believe uh, so. Yeah, IndyCar mo- video game. Yeah, motorsports games um, is dead. Which is, that sucks. Um, NASCAR says that its fan rewards free loyalty program registered more than 140,000 users in its first season, uh, 30% of whom were not, or 30% of whom were new to its database uh, per 
Ethan Joyce. So that's a big number. Again, that's that's a really big deal. Uh, I'm a little bit familiar with the rewards program, but people can join. It gives you tasks to do, like watch a race or do this or go to social media and like that or you know say what the code is. Yeah. And if you do that, you get points and you can trade your points in for merchandise or tickets. Right. So you're incentivizing people to watch. Yep. A little gimmicky, but you know if it's working, it's working. Uh, oh, and then uh, T-Mobile. Uh, T-Mobile's Formula One Las Vegas deal will involve two new TV ads, a permanent 5G upgrade to the city, extra 5G hybrid network, free Wi-Fi, a 360-degree circuit view in the event app, a club magenta private bar for T-Mobile customers plus simulators, and a Logan Sargent appearance at T-Mobile stores and market. Mm. So that sounds expensive. Yeah. Um, uh, Liberty Media CEO uh, Greg Moffey on CNBC's F1 doc debuting next week. Look, we're very happy with 10 teams. There is demand for people to have new teams. I don't think it's something that we need, but we'll always look if we can add something to the grid. Oh, boy. So there's this damn Andretti thing again. So sorry, what what what's coming up next week? He was, uh, he was on CNBC talking about something coming up. There's a documentary that they produced. That's what I got out of this. That is going to hit this week. On on what? The building of Las Vegas? Or? Either Las Vegas, they interview him, Formula One as a whole. But one of the excerpts out of it was him talking about 10 teams. And that's going to be on CN, and CNBC. CNBC. Oh, yeah, well, I thought we'd keep week. an eye out for that. Yeah. So, and then Michael Andretti last week said, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I think Formula One's afraid that we're a bunch of hillbillies. <laughs> It's hysterical, but um, you know, I don't know. Jesus, just just let them come in. It's so stupid. Any other racing series in the world? Yeah, would, coming soon. Inside Track, the business of Formula One. Yeah. Inside Track, Formula Business. One Any other series would bend over backwards to have anyone come in their series, let alone someone that people know. You know. So, uh, eight p.m. Thursday night. The business. Eight p.m. Thursday, okay. Thursday night. Put that on your. Yep. You're doom hickey. Um, Steve O'Donnell during the Phoenix Presser. One thing that we really want to focus on going forward with our broadcast partners and others is just how hard the sport really is. When someone is talking about Kyle Larson, he's able to hit his mark. What does that mean? So, okay, that's great. You should have been doing that 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's good that you're, I mean, you got to start somewhere, but God. I'm not even going to say anything because I'm going to get on my soapbox again. Um, Steve O'Donnell on NASCAR's EV prototype. I would not look for us specifically to go racing with it. I think you could see it showcased at certain events next year, but there's other forms. Things change almost monthly in terms of what is going to be in the hands of the consumers. So to your point, it's just a it's a moving target. Yeah, that's interesting. You said that, that like that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the win Las Vegas, the CEO, our expectations for Formula One haven't changed one bit. We have more front money and credit lined up for this event than any event in the history of win Las Vegas. And we've had some doozies before. That was a quote from the CEO of the win Las Vegas. So they're expecting some, some big high rolling people to come in. I would imagine more front money. I don't know what front money is. I would assume it's just extra cash that they have around because there's going to be more people in their casinos spending more money. Yeah, so the um, the, pr- the the pre-show um, in Miami, do you remember that, that Miami F1 race? Yeah. We'll have to see what Vegas does. 
Oh, yeah. So the yeah. Vegas F1 race might be more about the pre-shows and all that yeah. shenanigans than, than the race. Yeah. So, we, yeah, I'll have to check, check what the broadcast plan is for that. Uh, I bet you it starts at like 10. Yeah. <laughs> Liberty Me- Media CEO, again, uh, has apologized to Vegas residents for the F1 disruption. I want to apologize to all the Las Vegas residents, and we appreciate their forebodings and their willingness to tolerate us. I don't think anyone's willing to tolerate them at this point. <laughs> so that that came out of Fox 5 in Vegas. That was a local broadcast. Um, and then in Vegas, entertainment staples like Barry Manilow, Penn & Teller, Wayne Newton, and Chris Angel are skipping shows from Thursday to Saturday to avoid F1 Las Vegas um, or the Las Vegas GP. But magician David Copperfield is planning to power through with seven shows during that span. So there you go. All right. So we, um, you and I exchanged text messages a couple of days ago. We came up with a pretty good hit list of people we'd like to get in. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. We've started moving the needle with a few of those folks. So as we get uh, live in studio, uh, people on this podcast will bring the cameras back out and record that because nobody wants to watch just me and you. No. They get enough yeah, of they that. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Uh, yeah, they Trust do. me, they do not. Uh <laughs> Um, what else is going on? Yeah, so uh, social media this week uh, for us, we'll you know tease out some more cars. That video with Ben's going to come out, which is really good. Um, yeah, weather's looking pretty good this week here. Yeah, another nice week. Yeah. Low to mid sixties, which I'll take any day of the week. And uh, that's about all I have. I think that's good. That was yeah. good. That was a lot of a lot of good stuff you it's had there. A lot there. of stuff. Um, yeah, that was fun talking through it. All right. Uh, Like, follow, share. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great week. Right on. Thanks.